Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Please take your Bibles, go to Revelation, and find Revelation chapter number 6. Revelation chapter number 6. Having been in ministry for more than 25 years, preached countless times, occasionally preached on prophecy, uh, Revelation is a very difficult book. It takes a lot of study, a lot of time to prepare, or at least for me. Um, I, I think I could say this with some degree of accuracy and with some authority. I don't think there's been ever in a time of human history when we've been closer to the tribulation period than we are right now. Oftentimes in pockets of the world, that particular country may think, man, we've got to be close. My country is a mess. Folks, our world is a mess right now. Every corner of the earth, there are problems right now. I believe the Lord's return is very soon. It has to be. How much worse can things get? Even in our own country, what has happened in the last year, last nine months, last three months? I mean, folks, things are really rough in our own country, but we've just been following along the rest of the world, and we finally caught up to the rest of the world. Things are really bad. So I think we have to have an eye uh, toward heaven, an ear listening for that trumpet. And if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, guess what? You have nothing to worry about. Isn't that great? We have nothing to worry about if our hope is in Jesus Christ. But I do find that whenever we preach and we address the topic of prophecy, that we listen. We want to know what is going to happen. With lots of careful study Over the last several weeks, we come to another prophetic message, message number four. This will be in two parts this week, next week, as the Lord wills, as we examine looking into the future. And I remind you that only God can prophesy. You don't know the future. Satan doesn't know the future. Only God knows the future. And what we know about the future is only revealed in that Bible that sits in your lap. And we all know that the future, some things that God has revealed, and one of those things that God has revealed is that we are on a collision course with judgment. We're on a collision course with judgment. And although this may not be popular, this morning's message is true. And one of the ways that God's going to judge this world is to let the world have its own way. This world is begging to have its own way. And when the world has its own way, when it gets what it wants, I can positively assure you the world is not going to want what it gets. Because there's coming a time the Bible calls the Great Tribulation or the Wrath of the Lamb. I've entitled this morning's message, Hell on Earth. Hell on Earth. And many times I've heard someone use this phrase, listen, uh, uh, what's going on in my life is like hell on earth after there's been a or tornado or an earthquake or some disaster. Oh, listen to me, my friend. 
No calamity that you can imagine or that you've heard about heretofore will be worse than what's going to take place in a seven-year time period called the Tribulation. It's been some time since we've stood for the reading of God's Word, but I feel compelled this morning to ask you to stand out of honor and respect to the reading of God's Word as we read our text passage found in Revelation chapter number 6. In Revelation chapter number 6, the words will be on the screen behind me if you need a Bible. But please notice what God's Word says beginning in verse number 15. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said this to those mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. My friend, as you look this way, I can assure you there's nothing funny, humorous. There's no double meanings about the message today. What we're going to share with you is something that will happen on this earth that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior should shake you to your core. That most of you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've come here. I know most of you. You've been baptized. You've had that outward testimony. It should shake us to our core that our family who's lost without Christ could live through this time period. And may this morning's message be a wake-up call, a clarion call to all of us to take what's about to happen in our history very seriously. Father, I ask you that you will help. Please remove any distracting thoughts and may only words that you approve of be spoken. Father, I need your help this morning. This is not a subject that we trifle with. So, Father, I ask that you will help us. And may each one of us be attentive in our listening, not be distracted with things that are about to come. But, Father, please help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. In reading this passage of Scripture, in verse number 16, we talk about a phrase called the wrath of the Lamb. You don't think of a lamb as having wrath. But Jesus, when he was on earth, he warned of a time known as the Great Tribulation. Consider his words from Matthew chapter number 24. For then shall be great tribulation, such as is not was since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. There's coming a time in history that has never experienced anything like what will happen and is coming upon this earth according to none other than the Lord Jesus Christ of whom we sang about repeatedly this morning. From the book of Revelation, we've already examined several messages. We have seen uh, how far uh, uh, we've come uh, so far in this church age. We've seen a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen messages and heard messages to the seven churches of Ephesus and Smyrna and per uh, Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. We call this the church age, and this church age will end when Jesus comes to gather the church in an event that's known as the rapture. Jesus said of the church that we are salt and light. And when you take salt out, putrefaction begins. And when you take the light out, darkness sets in. So when the salt and light, the church is taken out, what we know is that darkness and putrefaction will come and we will move immediately 
And this world, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, will usher in the tribulation period. We see the Lord Jesus Christ as he uh, received from the hand of God, his Father, a scroll. Revelation chapter 6 is a fascinating chapter, one that we do not take lightly, one that, that we do not read haphazardly. The Bible calls this a book, but in this particular time period, this book was different than the book that sits in your lap with a binding or a hard binding. The Bible says here that it was rolled up. It was a scroll and that it had seven seals on the edge. And you break a seal and you read so much and you break a seal and you read so much. And we've seen in this passage of Scripture a time where seven seals are revealed. Now you are new to this church. You're new to Christianity. Some of the language and imagery that is given in the book of Revelation may seem strange. We don't talk this way this day. We have to understand that the Word of God was written 2,000 years ago. So therefore, we must understand in the culture and context of what John was trying to describe here. And so this morning, we're going to attempt to open four of those seals. And we're going to see what happens in this time period called the Great Tribulation. What's going to take place? And so we're going to break those seals just like John did one by one. And uh, Jesus said that there has never, never, never been a time like is about to happen on planet earth. And I want us to look at four of those seven seals this morning. And the first seal that we're going to, to break here in Revelation chapter 6 is what I call military conquest. Military conquest. Look with me in chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 as we go back to the beginning of this chapter. John, in his vision, he writes this. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. Now, when you hear thunder, you know that a storm is coming. And here, the spiritual barometer is dropping low. The storm clouds are beginning to roil. And there's a, in the distance, there is a thunder. And John hears this thunder as he is taken and transported into heaven to write what he is about to see. And the Bible goes on to say, And one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And verse number 2 in uh, Revelation chapter 6 says this, And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, before I continue on with seal number 1, let me just say parenthetically, some have asked about four beasts there in verse number 1. I think that's a fair question. Who are these four beasts that say, come and see? Now remember, this is John. He's been transported to heaven from the Isle of Patmos to, to write that which uh, he is about to see for our education, for our learning, for our warning. So the Bible says there's four beasts. That's a strange language. Actually, they are not beasts in a horrendous sense. That's not the Bible word for beast that's used here. Please allow me to help you in the culture and contest. The Bible word that is used here is the word zoa. It is the word we get our word zoo from. And it means this, for living ones. For living ones is a far better description than the word beast. And, they, and the Bible says they have special characteristics. 
just by way so that we clearly understand the passage, would you just turn back in your Bible one page to chapter number four? In in Revelation chapter number four and verse number seven, it describes what is taking place in Revelation chapter six and verse number one. Notice what it says. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast was like a calf and the third beast had a face of a man and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle now notice carefully in our bible this verse does not say they are a lion a calf a man and an eagle it uses the little word like they are like they are symbolism they are a description of the four living ones it sounds much better than beast because i think it's an unfortunate rendering uh, of the scripture when in fact the bible says they are living ones they are zoa they are i believe a cherubim the highest class of angels and they deal with the grace the high the, the glory and the government of god around the throne of god this was their purpose and john was transported and he was able to see and the beast or the living ones they told him what to write now what is the meaning of these things for example the bible says the first had a face like a lion well when you think of a lion you think of majesty and that speaks here of of the majesty of the lord jesus christ and then the second one has the face like an ox and when you think of an ox you think of servitude and sacrifice that speaks of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fourth had a face like a man and that speaks of the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fourth and and the fourth beast or the fourth living one was likened to that of an eagle in the sky and that speaks of the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ so you see these are reflecting the glory of our Lord his majesty his ministry, his humanity, his deity. By the way, let me, just, uh, let me just chase a rabbit trail here. There are four Gospels. And I need to hurry, but this is important to the background for you to having a complete understanding and a complete acceptance of the Word of God and the story that we're about to read this morning. Matthew, he deals with the lion Christ. It shows him to be the king of the Jews again his majesty. Mark deals with the suffering servant. This speaks of the one with the face like an ox or that of a calf or the crucified son of God. Luke speaks of his humanity. Luke was a doctor and he speaks about the physical part, the face like a man because he was born of a virgin. And then we come to the book of John and he speaks as one who is from heaven, his deity or the face of an eagle. I love how our Bible, there's no way that some human being could come up with our Bible. Only the God of the universe could write our Bible. It all works together. And so it is, my friend, these are the ones that reflect the glory of God. Now let's see what they say. Now we, we're in Revelation chapter 6. We're in verse number 1, the four beasts. We have described that they're really better described as four living ones. These four living ones who are around the throne of God. They are telling John what is about to happen. Look again with me here at these beasts in verse number 8. Drop down to verse number 8 of Revelation chapter 6. These beasts, they were full of eyes within. Well, let's go to verse number 1. And they say, come and see. Look again with me at verse number 2. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. 
and he that sat on him. I ask you, who is the rider on this white horse that is about to have the first seal open? This rider on this white horse, I believe, is the Antichrist, the beast, the man of sin who is going to come. Now look at the symbolism here. A white horse is what? A white horse is a, is a symbol of a conqueror. A conqueror in Bible times or even today may come riding in triumph on a white horse. In the scripture, the Bible says he has a bow. A bow is a symbol of power. This person who rides upon this white horse will be victorious, he believes, as he walks in, triumphant. And the Bible says he has a crown on his head, and we know that a crown is a symbol of dominion. Dominion. So here is someone, as these seals begin to open, who comes in pomp and circumstance and power, and he's prepared to ride. Well, you say, Pastor Armstrong, now listen, I know Revelation can be confusing, but I ask you, Pastor Armstrong, could this really be the Lord Jesus Christ? And I say, absolutely not. Impossible. Jesus Christ is shown in Revelation chapter 19 as coming on a white horse to rule and to reign. But who is this? In Revelation chapter 6, this is the one who would imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one who is not the Christ, but the Antichrist. And we know that the prefix anti means a couple of things. It means, number one, against. It means against. And number two, it means instead of. And so this person who comes riding on this white horse, he will be the devil's false messiah. He's the one coming to this earth. And my friend, believe me, there is one coming. Jesus clearly prophesied of a false messiah who would come and that the whole world would wonder after. Mark this verse down. John 5 and verse number 43. Jesus said this from his very own mouth. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. But I want you to notice the second half of this verse. Jesus with his own mouth said, If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. My friend, this world's going to be in chaos. It's going to be looking for a Savior with a small letter S. And that person's going to be the Antichrist. They rejected the first Messiah, but they're going to accept this false Messiah. This world will be ripe for devil's Messiah. And he's going to come in like a hero. You know, the whole entire world is looking for someone to come today that can rescue this world from its problems. Oh, make no mistake in your thinking. He is coming. The world should be preparing for the Antichrist. The Old Testament scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, prophesy in the book of Daniel that this man is coming. This is a fascinating cross-reference. Would you listen to Daniel chapter 8? In Daniel chapter 8, verse number 25, it's speaking of the man of sin or the Antichrist. And listen to this sinister scripture. Oh, the Bible is not sinister, but the sinister person described in this scripture, the Bible says, and through his policy... Also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. That is, he's a man with crafty policies. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. He's the consummate egotist. And now listen to this statement. And by peace. Now don't miss this. Don't miss this scripture. This is the prophet Daniel. He says this. And by peace shall destroy many. 
You talk about Orwellian concepts. By peace shall destroy many. And he shall stand up against the prince of princes. By the way, that's Jesus. And he shall be broken without hand. And my friend, and indeed he will. You see, when Antichrist begins to ride forth, everybody's going to be looking at him and it's going to say this. The whole world's going to say this. Well, at last, somebody has brought us world peace. This world is looking for peace, but they reject Jesus as the Prince of Peace. The Bible says in seal number one that this man coming riding upon a white horse has a bow in his hand, a crown on his head, a white horse beneath him, and he will watch with glee as the world falls on its face to worship him. And they will worship at his feet. Little children will speak his name with reverence. Men will lay down their lives for the devil's Messiah. And this Antichrist, who is going to come, the world will fawn over. The Bible says he's riding upon a white horse, but I want to tell you, my friend, he is Satan's master man. He will be Satan's superman. He will be all of the Caesars and the Napoleons and the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Saddam Husseins and, and the Bin Ladens and the Putins and the chairman Hashis all rolled into one. But don't miss this. But the world will follow him. Consummate evil. Jesus said, I remind you, I'm come in my Father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his name, him ye will receive. This world is looking for someone who will bring peace no matter what the cost. So this first seal, this first seal that's going to take place immediately upon the tribulation, this world is thrown into chaos. And seal number one is going to be military conquest. There's going to be someone with might and military who comes to this earth and his ultimate purpose is conquest. After he comes, let me just tell you, they don't get any better. Seal number two will be broken. And in seal number two, we find that there's going to be great blood conflict. Blood conflict. Now let's look at this second seal. Back in Revelation chapter number six and verse number three, the Bible says this. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast. Now we've already established that the, the beast here that we're talking about is a cherubim. Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Now white is the color of conquest. Red is the color of blood. And another horse that was red, and the power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. My friend, when this devil-inspired leader appears on the world stage, his plan is world conquest. And in his evil brain, war will follow just as surely as night follows day. There's going to be immense havoc and destruction. And that's the reason that this horse is described as red. Jesus warned us that the last days would be days of what? Wars and rumors of wars. We're living in those days. The Bible never prophesies the world's going to get better and better. In fact, the Bible says the world's going to get worse. It's going to wax or wane. It's going to get worse and worse. We have in our world today frightening stockpiles of nuclear weapons, enough to kill every human being many times over. But we continue to arm and we continue to build. But make no mistake, 
When the Antichrist comes, a spirit of hatred will inflame men's depraved hearts. And according to the Scripture, by the way, I have no reason to doubt the Scripture. The Bible says brother will kill brother, father will kill child. And without the Prince of Peace, without the Lord Jesus Christ, without the salt and light of the church being here, hatred will be unrestrained. Swords will drip with human blood. There will be a stench of decaying flesh throughout the entire world. And the Bible says there's coming one who's going to have military conquest on his mind and he could care less about bloodshed. This speaks not only of wars between nations, but I want you to know that in my own lifetime, I have seen class wars and racial wars and, and, and war of words and religious wars. It's all going to be magnified in a way that we cannot even imagine. Oh, Ezekiel wrote about this. In Ezekiel chapter number 38, verse 21, he said this, And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. So the second seal is a bloody conflict. Remember, we're addressing a very specific time in history known as the tribulation period. It's a very small, just seven years. But oh, what a seven years it'll be. John has been transported to heaven. He's, been, he's writing about what is about to happen. And John there has four living ones describing He's seen seal number one that in a time of chaos, there's going to be a, a man riding on a white horse who has military conquest on his mind. He could care less about human bloodshed, and there's going to be a blood conflict unlike we've ever seen. Well, once that starts, seal number three is broken. And in seal number three, the only thing that can happen after that is something that all of us, all of us could fear if we lived in this day and age, and it's called famine starvation. Famine, starvation. The third seal is what I call famine, starvation. And if you will, you have to look back with me in verse 5 and 6 of Revelation chapter number 6. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say this, Come, see. Remember, he's writing to John. When you understand what is happening here, the Bible comes alive. The living one of heaven says to John, Come, see. And I beheld and lo a black horse and he that sat on him a pair of balances in his hand that's old-fashioned scales that's what it means and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine now the black horse does not speak of war it speaks of famine because famine always follows war just as surely as the night follows the day. And this rider who is coming on the black horse is seen carrying a, a, a scales in his hands, these old-fashioned balances. And it talks about food that's going to be measured or meted out carefully. This directly foretells of food rationing. Food rationing. Just this last week, reading different articles and preparing and making sure that everything is accurate for this message. I read a fascinating article. This isn't statistical. This has been proven in first world countries and third world countries. It only takes nine missed 
meals for anarchy to break out. If we were to shut off our meals, it would only take not, uh, uh, shut off our food supplies here in the United States of America. Our grocery stores are emptied. There's no food to eat. It takes nine meals, nine missed meals for anarchy to break out. Oh, my friend, during this time period, just think about that. There's going to be a food shortage. The Bible says a measure of wheat for a penny. What does that mean? Please do not think that the idea of penny here is that little copper coin that you might have in your pocket. It's the Greek word denarius, and it speaks of a day's labor. A measure of wheat is about a quart. It would take a, a, a quart of wheat milled and baked into bread to feed a man. A penny, a denarius, is the wage of a laboring man for an entire day. Think about that. This takes on an ominous meaning. Bottom line is what, Pastor Armstrong? You would have to work an entire day for a loaf of bread, a whole day's labor just for enough meal for one person, and it's going to be a time of limited uh, productivity. It's going to be a time of economic deprivation. Can you imagine what starvation will look like? You see, why would starvation come? Well, it's kind of obvious. If the entire world is broken out into war, They're no longer tending to the fields and the gardens. Transportation that gets food from point A to point B is immobilized. It's done away with. So starvation will stock this world. A man goes to work. He's fortunate enough to have a job. And he's paid for an entire day's worth of labor with one meal. Does he eat it himself? Does he give it to different members of his family so they all can starve together? Does he feed one child and neglect another child? Does he steal another man's bread? Oh, my friend, during this time period, little children are going to die of malnutrition and starvation with their bloated bellies. Little uh, babies will gnaw at a dry breast. And no wonder Jesus said concerning this tribulation, and woe unto him that are with a child and to them that give suck in those days going to be a horrific time of starvation that's what this black horse speaks about in the first three seals we've seen the angels of heaven tell John come come see during the tribulation there's going to be white uh, there's going to be a white horse come this man's going to imitate Christ But what he's really bringing is a blood conflict that's going to lead to famine, starvation. Well, that would be bad if we just stopped there, but it only gets worse. John is challenged to break seal number four. And in seal number four, we see corpse decimation. We see corpse decimation. Oh, I'm not trying to be sci-fi trying to be gory not trying to be Friday the 13th but my friend you must be shaken when you hear what's going to happen let's examine this fourth seal the fourth seal I will call corpse decimation it's worse than war look with me back in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 7 and 8 when he had opened the fourth seal I heard the voice of the fourth living one say this John come and see John says, I looked, 
And behold, a pale horse. Oh, that Greek word for pale is the Greek word chloros. Do you know what word we get from chloros? Clorox. Do you remember what color it is when you pour it out? It's a pale greenish yellow. It's the color of death. It's the color of a corpse. And so there's this pale horse. Look, notice what it says here. In verse number 8, his name that sat on him was death. Apparently he has some riders with him because notice carefully the Bible says, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Well, suppose this ensued today. A fourth part of the earth. Oh, let's do exactly what the statistics would say. Today, at this moment, there are 7.7 billion people alive on planet Earth. And this Bible says when seal number four is unleashed, that some 1.9 billion people will die. Oh, that's so hard for us to wrap our minds around. Think about this. In the United States, there are 330 million people that we know of who have registered in the census, who we know their children. So there could be somewhere around 350 to, uh, somewhere around 340 to 350 million people. In the tribulation, the entire population of the United States could be wiped out. The entire population of Mexico, the entire population of Canada, and we haven't even started yet. One quarter of the world will be wiped out with seal number four. Now here's a chain reaction. First, there's the Antichrist. He comes riding upon the white horse. Then war breaks out. That's the red horse. Then famine. It can only follow. Oh, that's the black horse. Now death ensues when the rider on that pale horse um, takes out a quarter of the world's population. May I just tell you, sin causes hatred. Hatred causes war and bloodshed. War brings famine. Famine produces death. Death leads to judgment. And after the judgment, the reward for all of those who make this choice is hell. Oh, we say hell on earth. Hell on earth is but for seven years. Those who reject Christ will spend an eternity in a place called hell. That will be their reward. Almost always in the aftermath of a war brings more death than the war itself. And when you think of the epidemics and the famine and the um, cholera and the disease and the absence of health care, it is then that even more people die. Would you look with me back in verse number 8 again, Revelation chapter 6. It says here that he has the power to kill with the sword and with hunger and then with death. Now, in studying your Bible, that sounds a little bit redundant, to kill with death but the word for death here is not the death that you're thinking of this word death here means plagues and as we call, recall past history we think of things like the black death it's speaking i believe here of things like biological warfare anthrax smallpox man-made genetic engineered the things like COVID. Oh, I believe COVID is just but the first pass of what's about to happen in this world. There's going to be something new that happens. 
Then this verse also speaks of the beast of the earth. Now, what do you think of when you think of a beast of the earth? Do you think of leopards and lions and tigers and bears? May I remind you that beasts come in many sizes, and I believe, as other commentators have written, that these beasts of the earth spoken here, or these beasts may be something that is already on planet earth called rats. I put this in your notes there, what commentator David Jeremiah has written. Let me just read this quickly. I have another theory about these beasts. He's obviously speaking of this passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 6. These beasts, since they accompany famine and plagues, remember that word death means plagues. The most destructive creature on the earth is the rat. He's a menace to human health and food supplies, and the nasty creatures come in more than 100 different species. Rats are extremely prolific, producing five or more litters of 8 to 10 each year. It has been estimated that rats are responsible for the loss of more than $1 billion worth of food each year in the United States alone. Their fleas carry bubonic plague, which destroyed one-third of the population of Europe in the 14th century. Typhus killed an estimated 200 million people in four centuries. The disease was transmitted by rat fleas. Now, folks, I don't know this to be 100% true, so I acknowledge that. But I'm saying that based on history and based on what the Scripture says, that there's going to be a plague that's going to help wipe out one quarter of the world's population. I believe this is probably all we can handle for one service on a Sunday morning. I just say... Tribulation period is going to be hell on earth for seven years. Many of us, we find it fascinating, yet it is real. These events are really going to happen. Do you know that I honestly believe that 20 years ago we'd have had a hard time believing this? I don't in 2022. May I just acknowledge by way of conclusion in my message this morning... Who would have thought that the first world, number one country in all of the world couldn't feed their babies? Who would have ever thought that the number one country in the world that used to stand for Bible virtues and in the history of our country we used the Bible as an actual textbook in our country? There was no shame in praying and having a, a devotion read and, and studying the Bible in our public schools and, and there was no shame in that whatsoever. Today, the LGB transgender movement, oh, it is not just a small movement, it is a massive movement. Who would have ever thought that this pastor would stand two years ago and say, now listen, folks, the Black Lives Matter movement is, is it's, it's horrible. And I was vilified for it, received letters and emails saying, how could you say such a thing? And no, in just the last two weeks, we've seen all of the corruption. Undeniable. It was a movement that's sinful, evil, and wicked. We've seen it manifest itself in all of the countless money that's been given to that and the in, in in supposedly to help with black lives it has done nothing has not helped any black people we've seen race and we've seen uh, race wars going on folks this is the united states of america food shortages violence changing gender identities 
and people like me who stand in the pulpit and, 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 and come out and say something about this, I get vilified. My friend, listen. Jesus is coming back soon. This world is wicked. When 1.9 billion people are destroyed, the smell and stench is going to be so repulsive. And people, as we read in our text verse, they're going to cry for death and be unable to die. I'm not going to be here. How about you? I'm not going to be here. I'm going either by death or the rapture to heaven. And I beg you to consider this message. God's judgment is soon to be unleashed on planet earth. And it is going to be destroyed as we know it today. You do not want to miss the next three seals that we'll examine. And for us... We should be concerned about our relatives and our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and our family who are yet to trust Christ. Would you bow your heads for a moment? How would you like to know that your past is forgiven? How would you like to know that your present is secure? How would you like to know that your future could be wonderful? You can know that and the reason and how you know that is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior you're here this morning visiting regular attender and you've never trusted Jesus I ask you this morning would you receive him he loves you God brought you here to hear the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is simply this, that Christ died for your sins. He paid your sins on that bloody cross. Uh, he was your substitute, the God-man. He took your sin to Calvary, and he has paid the sin debt. And if you will receive him, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I've actually talked to people who said this. When the rapture takes place, I'll believe. If you don't believe today, you will not believe when the rapture takes place. Because the Bible says there'll be a strong delusion. There'll be a lie. You will believe the lie. And do you know, sadly, that if the rapture takes place, our church will have church next Sunday because there'll be people from this congregation that still show up because they've never truly accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. How do I do that? Pray. Dear God, I know that you love me. I know that you want to save me. Jesus, you died to save me. You promised to save me. If I would trust you, I trust you. I open my heart. I receive you by faith as my Lord and Savior and Messiah. Forgive me of my sins. Save me, Lord Jesus. You can pray a prayer like that. And if you by faith believe you will enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that. God will radically save you. You will know that if it's the rapture or death that you will be in heaven and not have to go through the horrors of a period of time called the tribulation period. I beg you to pray that prayer now.